that is amazing. And it, it was no wonder that when we reached out, when we reached out to our sphere on mm-hmm. what charity to work with, it was very quickly decided who we were going to call onto the podcast. And we're just, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, we're a little nervous because we're just excited <laughs> that we get to have you on and try to share this with, uh, you know, our sphere. Yeah. I didn't know about all of prior mm-hmm. to this conversation. And so I'm excited to learn about what your mission is, how you guys actually help the community and how we can help Uh, you guys do the work that we've all been saying we want done. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. And today is a really, really, really special episode that we have for you guys. One, we have officially hit the milestone Today is our 100th podcast ever. And so in order to make this really, really special, we wanted to have a really special guest on. And I'm really excited for today's podcast. We wanted to do something impactful for our community. We've had a ton of guests on, you know, throughout the past few years, obviously across the course of 100 episodes. And We wanted to partner with a charity. We wanted to give back to our community. And today we are really, really excited to have April Molina. She is the director of Olive. And before I try and give you the spiel and everything, the ins and outs of why we're partnering with them today, April, do you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about Olive? Absolutely. So my name's April Molina. Uh, I'm the director at Olive Charitable Organization. Our our home base is uh, Madera, California, but we do extend out throughout the valley and uh, the state of California as well. And uh, what we do basically is we uh, partner with local law enforcement agencies to identify, rescue, and rehabilitate victims caught in sex trafficking locally. That is amazing. And it, it was no wonder that when we reached out when we reached out to our sphere on mm-hmm. what charity to work with, it was very quickly decided who we were going to call onto the podcast. And we're just, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, we're a little nervous because we're just excited <laughs> that we get to have you on and try to share this with, uh, you know, our sphere. Yeah. I didn't know about all of prior mm-hmm. to this conversation. And so I'm excited to learn about what your mission is, how you guys actually help the community and how we can help uh, you guys do the work that we've all been saying we want done. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean, let's just jump into it. I mean, you guys are out of Madera, California. You yes. service kind of the whole Central Valley? Yes. Okay. Yes, we have we have victims from all over, uh, from as far north as Tehima County, all the way down into Los Angeles. And we we have had a young lady come to us from actually from South Dakota. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, she, her and her 12-year-old son made it all the way down here on their own, actually. And somehow oh, they got wow. our name. I have no idea how. I think my boss works with her aunt. I don't know how the connection was made, but, um, but yeah, she made it here all the way from South Dakota and we were able to get them housing, uh, pretty quickly because she does have a son. So it was, it was relatively easy. Wow. And April, before we go, uh, and continue our conversation, can you tell us a little bit about you and about your background? (laughs) How did you, you know, kind of stumble into being the director of all of now? Tell us a little bit about yourself. 
So I started, um, actually, it was it, it was stumbling into it. Uh, my mom had met, he was at the time a lieutenant at the Madera Police Department. His name is Dan Foss. He's now the chief of police of Nevada, the, Nevada City in California. Dang. And okay. so, um, so that's been a, a, a five-year relationship that he and I have built. And uh, I did start as a volunteer. He had come to a youth group to speak on sex trafficking and how young people fall into it at my church, actually. And I was blown back by the information that he had. I had no idea what it was. I thought I knew because I'd seen the movie Taken, right? Who hasn't seen Taken with Liam Neeson? It's a great movie. Uh, Totally false. So I had no idea. Um, And then pulling pieces together in my own family, with my oldest daughter, she's 28 now, but when she was 13 years old, she come to find out she was being groomed for trafficking. We had no idea. We had oh we, we didn't know it even existed here in the Valley. We didn't know it existed in Madera, especially. I mean, it's such a small community. You know, we are next to Fresno, and that's where we go for everything. But, um, and then... So when I found out, uh, Dan had asked for volunteers and it it was like something was pushing me forward uh, to go up and and say, hey, what can I do to help? And I just kind of he said, meet me in my office tomorrow. So I did. And uh, it just kind of all fell into place, really. And then about two years ago, I was hired on as full time staff. Wow. And so that's kind of how the ball got rolling for me. So, so you stumbled into this in part because you already, your family experienced the starting stages of sex trafficking? Yes. And we had no idea. I didn't know until I was fully educated that my daughter at the age of 13 was being groomed. Um, I didn't know what it looked like. We, she, it was like a, when she was 13, she started running away from home. CPS was called on us because she was telling all kinds of lies. She was coming home with bruises all over her big ones. Like she had been hit, but I didn't know. And she wouldn't say where they had come from. We'd had the sheriffs involved. We had, you know, CPS involved. It was, it was very, very difficult four years, uh, for our family. Of course. And, uh, and so with all of that, uh, combined, she'd actually had gone to live with her biological father up in, uh, Vancouver, Washington for a while. Um, and she, I don't know if she actually ever fell into trafficking, but after looking at the signs and finding out what they were, uh, now I know for sure she was at least being groomed. Mm. That is that is way too close for home. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes, it was. And I, I mean, that was 14 years ago. 14 yeah. years ago, the lingo sex trafficking wasn't in wasn't in homes. It was in law enforcement, but we don't have a cop in our family. Right. So, so we had no idea. Um, and it was, it, like I said, it wasn't until I had gone to this officer's presentation and I found out, um, and started talking to him and pulling pieces together in my own head. And he said, yeah, absolutely. She was likely being groomed for sex trafficking. Hmm. Can you share too, because this, you know, did a, a light switch. We were um, at your office just a couple of days ago. And and correct me if the information I'm relaying is wrong from what you shared with us. But the what I want to ask is all of the education that goes into, you know, what sex trafficking is, right? I feel like we are very, very uneducated. <laughs> Extremely naive. <laughs> Extre- it, it, really, because you had shared a couple of days ago, you said, hey, 
Yeah, you know, just in Madeira alone, there's between 700 and 1,000 new postings every single day for girls who are being sex sex trafficked. Yes, so that doesn't mean that there are between 700 and... uh, and a thousand victims, mm-hmm. you will. You may have one girl that is on several different websites. Mm-hmm. So actually this morning, I looked online and I pulled up that database that we use. It's actually called Spotlight. It's made for law enforcement agencies to, it's for facial recognition or you can punch in a phone number, you can punch in a city mm-hmm. and it will search that, it will narrow it down um, to that location or that face or whatever and you can find people. Right, mm-hmm. and it brings up all of the online ads that are available at that time. Yeah. There, most of them are live. Some of them are not. Some of them are older ads, so you have to watch the dates. Yeah. And so this morning, I actually pulled up just randomly nationwide, and there was 184 million ads. So that does oh. not mean that there is 184 million victims. That would be what, a third of the population. That would be a th- right. That would be a large number of the population. But there are hundreds of websites. Uh, mega personals, adult look, private delights, all of these websites that these people will post the same photos on. Mm -hmm. And so you can hit up different websites and find the same girls often. And um, and then I, I narrowed it down more to just the state of California. And there were 54 million of those ads in just the state of California. And so now, again, that's more than the population, right? So you may have one girl with 20 20 different websites on there. And so, and not, and not 100% of those women are victims of trafficking. However, probably about 90% of them are. Wow. So almost a third of all the postings you checked this morning, 54 million out of the 184, 54 are in California. Are in California. Wow. So talk about a hotspot. We are a hot spot. Can, and I think it's I think it's due to the fact that we have the largest population. We have 39 million people in mm-hmm. the state of California. Not only that, we have very high concentrated cities. The Bay Area is a big one. Los Angeles is a big one. Sacramento County is a big one. And then um, down where Anaheim is, is another hot spot for some reason. I guess, I don't know if it has anything to do with, uh, with uh, just people going there for vacation. I have no idea. But... For whatever reason, Anaheim is a big one. I want to. I want to kind of uh, solve some of the. Is it naivete? I want. I don't want to be so naive. When we're talking about sex trafficking, can you clarify what that looks like in actual real life? Because when I hear that, I think of taken, like what you're saying. Yes. And you're saying that's not at all what it's like. That is not at all what it's like. That happens in other countries. That does not usually happen here in the United States. Now, understand that everybody's story is very different. Mm-hmm. What we have found at Olive, and in just this last year, we have come across 51, 51 cases that we have assisted in, and that's just this year. Um, that's fantastic. And, <laughs> thank you. It, it, for us, it is. It's a great number, right? Because yeah. that's the 51 people that have been helped. Yeah. And so, um, so what it looks like is the street. What it is is young people. It usually starts about age 14, 15 years old when girls are very naive. They're looking for a good boyfriend um, and he happens to come along and he is all of a sudden Romeo and he manipulates her enough and and uh, and he he manipulates her enough that she falls in love with him in whatever capacity that could be for a 14 year old girl. Right. And she is... 
she is so in love with this guy and all of a sudden he's like you know her parents right her parents will start to question this relationship well all that does is push her further farther towards him right and he he uses that and he manipulates her they just don't understand they don't understand that we're in love blah 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 i mean it's it's a whole and it takes a long time it it takes time and it doesn't take much effort to get a girl that of the age of 14 to fall in love with an older guy right? right and so that in turn ends up being um then they start to use force or fraud and um and coercion those are the three main um the three main ways that people are are put into any kind of trafficking really is through force fraud and coercion that's the law that's the way it's written through the doj and so if it is not if force fraud or coercion is not involved in her story then it is not trafficking so um there's uh so the element that we have seen the most of is manipulation these girls are very highly manipulated into sex trafficking and when we say sex trafficking we are talking about street level prostitution so these are these are girls who who would it, back in the day, they would be the ones walking the street, right? right. Every, most things are done online now. You could go online. You can order a girl just like you can order a T-shirt off of Amazon. And um, you can get eye color. You can get hair color. You can get big girl, small girl, short girl, Mexican girl, you know, whatever you want. You can get an Asian girl. You can get anything that you want online. All you have to do is just look and type in the right criteria and one will pop up. Mm. And um, and oftentimes the ages on those websites are lying to you. Of course. Right. So there are minors on there. They're harder to find, especially with Snapchat filters. It's very hard. They make you look younger than you actually are. And um, so that makes it difficult sometimes to find some of these girls that are that are actually underage. Uh, but law enforcement has great ways of of handling all of that. I just don't have access to that stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> that's inc- that's crazy. Because to me, yeah. when I think of it, it's exactly like what you were talking about with Taken, and you think of like this whole ring that's like super. <laughs> it would be so obvious to find. Right. But you're talking about like these are young girls, like your daughter, who mm-hmm. are getting groomed from mm-hmm. a young age into just being misled to think that what they're doing is by their own consent or. Right reasonable or whatever and then they turn out to be the people who are then shopped around online and sent to these scummy people yes so the buyer uh is not always the scummy people right and why is that so here's the thing we are finding that the buyers are your generic typically family man um, it's not, you know, most people think it's drug dealers or homeless people that are buying these women, and it's not. It is the buyers are actually any anybody, and they could be sitting in your church, they could be at the grocery store, in the checkout line, they could be anywhere. Oftentimes, it's men who travel uh, to conventions. Las Vegas is probably one of the larger hubs for this because there's a lot of conventions in Las Vegas. There's law enforcement conventions, there's medical conventions, there's lawyer conventions, there's insurance conventions. And so when these men are away from their families, that's typically when they, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? (laughs) And so, I mean, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not, I, I don't like to call them scummy only because a lot of times they have issues also. In fact, we have recently partnered with another agency out of Portland, Oregon called the Epic Project. 
EPIC stands for Every Man, uh, Every Man Protecting Innocent Kids. And that started with because when you're dealing with women coming out of sex trafficking, I have I have had multiple men come to me and say, hey, what can we do to help? I'm like, well, unfortunately, you can't. Right. Unless you're going to donate or help me fundraise or something like that. There's nothing really you can get involved that's tangible because Mm -hmm. these women have been sexualized. And we don't want to put anybody at risk on either side of that. Of course. Yeah. And so um, so what we did is we partnered with the Epic Project. And what they do is they bring in these um, these patrols in a city. And so recently, Madeira and Fresno have them. We ran a um, we sponsored for them to run a training for these a, a group of about 25 men showed up. They were trained on how to talk to the buyer. So they run a, a patrol online. They have an ad. They run it online. And when somebody calls this phone number or texts this phone number, either way, you can get a hold of somebody, right? Instead of getting a girl to purchase for sex um, on the phone, they get a man who explains their part in sex trafficking and the fact that that demand is what's driving the supply. And so, and a lot of people don't realize that they are buying a slave. They really have no idea. And you would be surprised at how many people don't realize that when they pick up that phone, they don't realize that girl doesn't really want to be there. She's there because she has somebody else that's making her show up. Right. That's that's what I want to um, ask and and get a little more detail on too. How is how is that working on that end? Right. Because you said obviously in the eyes of when we look at this from you know like a law perspective, and you said you don't like calling you know a, a majority of these buyers like scummy, right? Because it's your everyday. Like you said, it could be somebody in your church or somebody at the grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. What it what are the girls going through on? Uh, on their end, right? You said somebody is, uh, you know, somebody is actually doing unlawful stuff with controlling them and, mm-hmm. and, and doing that. Can you, can you explain a little bit more on that side? So I, I can. Um, and really all I know is what I've been told, right? Yeah. And so I've talked to multiple, multiple women about all of this. And um, actually when we were, I was in a meeting and one of my girls walked in on my meeting and I was on mute. It was on Zoom. I was mm-hmm. on mute. And she was listening in on the conversation when we were talking about bringing Epic. And she, her exact words to me were, the buyer, do you know what they used to make me do? And I was like, you know what? I said, let's talk about that later. I'm in a meeting. And so we did. We talked about that. And what I told her was, even if we can stop one transaction, right? One transaction that saves somebody from having to go through what mm-hmm. they've gone through. And I mean, I've been told very graphic stories. Um, I won't share them on here, yeah, but I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could handle that. Yeah, yeah I, I've been told very graphic Sorry. stories. Sorry, he'd like to step up. Oh, yep. No, you're totally good. You're totally good. We can always cut and then continue. <laughs> you threw my groove. <laughs> No worries. You're totally fine. Which way? Uh, out to the left and down on the right. Out the door and to the left. Okay. Let me think of my train of thought. He threw me off. <laughs> You're good. You were talking about graphic stories. Graphic stories. Yeah. So I could I could give graphic details, but I, I won't do that here. But the, the thing is, is these girls experience a lot of abuse. 
um, a lot of abuse and a lot of shame, actually, because they don't want to be doing this. And once they get out, they don't even realize it until once they get out. And once they get out, like when we take somebody in and she starts to see how I am, she starts to see how normal people who have not been sold for sex, who have not been exploited for just sex, act and how we dress and how we talk right there's a lot of swearing involved yeah and so (laughs) a lot of swearing yeah and so um you know when once they see all of these things and they all of a sudden they realize that there's something wrong with them right or they think there is and because they've been traumatized and now the trauma starts to set in and what happens is is we connect them with therapists and they have to work through and process all of these things with a therapist because i'm not a therapist i'm a case manager of course. And so, um, but we do work with professionals and we also do life coaching. These girls have never run a budget. You know, they usually started at very young age when mom yeah. and dad are still in charge of the money, right? Then her trafficker is in charge of the money. She gets nothing. Um, and so, so we teach them how to budget. We teach them how to apply for a job, right? Yeah. And oftentimes they get fired from their first job. Oh, undoubtedly. Because they can't, they don't know they don't yet know how it works. Mm-hmm. And until they learn, then, you know, then once they learn, they can hold down a job, they can go to school, they can do all the regular things that regular people get up and do every single morning that we take for granted, right? Like me getting up, driving here, you know, it was easy, right? right. But for somebody that is in a state of trauma, it's a lot harder. And they would have a panic attack and have to pull the car over, you know, or, whatever they whatever they're experiencing at the time and so you know i had one young lady who was working at a factory as an almond factory a local almond factory and uh i got this text message and it was fantastic because it was her first job she was doing so well and it was right around Thanksgiving and the company was having like a, a potluck for the employees, right? Well, she wanted to make some cakes, so we hooked her up with a volunteer. I don't bake. So <laughs> we hooked her up with a volunteer who taught her how to make a pineapple upside down cake. And she did so good. She took it to the potluck and the text message said, I'm so glad to be a part of this. What a neat thing. I didn't realize people were so nice and the food is delicious. You know, when I was working before Olive and all that and had to do potlucks, I dreaded it. I'm like, I have to make something. And what if people don't like it? Like, you know, it was like, and I don't want to, you know, but I'll eat their food. Right. (laughs) You know, it's those things that people really go are kind of especially moms. No offense, guys, but moms because we take care of kids and all these things. Right. There's school and homework and all that stuff. And so um, so it's. But for her, it was a brand new experience. And I'm like, what a neat thing. What a neat thing that she got to experience that she's never experienced before. She was 21 years old and had never experienced something like that, like a potluck, right? And so, um, and her cake was delicious. She brought me a piece. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that some more. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. we want to know what the problems you're dealing with are on Mm -hmm. the front of actually like who you are helping. But let's talk about how you guys... Like how Olive helps these girls go. You said you've helped 51 girls Mm -hmm. this year. Right. 
what does that mean when you say you've helped them? Because obviously your building cannot fit 51 girls. <laughs> no, no. We are we are able to house. So we have two safe houses. We have one in Madeira. We call it the Bennett House, named after the property owner, uh, her father. And so he was his dentist office for a lot of years. And we were able to get money through a grant, have it renovated. And now it will hold five five young ladies. And it's it's built like a home. Right. Yeah. You guys were in there. It was yeah. beautiful. It, beautiful. Thank you. And it was clean. Well, when you think right? of going yes. to a safe house, no offense, you kind of think like I was telling Kate, you think community living, like dirty stuff everywhere. People. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, we walked in. It was like it was it was yeah, very clean. Exactly. Everything's updated. Beautiful. The girls all have their own room. With yes. Dressers and sinks. And yeah. Yeah. We opted to keep the sinks in the rooms because it was a dentist office. Just because when you're dealing with girls and makeup, it can get uh, when you have five girls and only two bathrooms one with a mirror the other one doesn't even have a mirror you know it's yeah it can get a little ugly but <laughs> no totally <laughs> but and then the second safe house is in fresno and it is two two-bedroom apartments one on top of the other and we have a, actually an extra purpose for those because the the bennett house in madera is not staffed 24 hours we do have surveillance all around the outside and mm-hmm. we do have three cameras inside pointing at just the doors right. we give them their privacy we give them their space they're able to close the doors they can't lock them um they do have lockers. I don't know if you guys noticed that going yeah. down the hallway, just in case they have, because some of these girls have been, had thing, a lot of their stuff stolen from them. And yeah. so they come in and they're like, hey, what if they steal my stuff? I'm like, well, you can put it in here. There's a key to the lock. I'm the only one with the lock. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to get it. And uh, and I don't want your things, right? right. It's, I have yeah. enough of my own. <laughs> so, um, and so it's, so then the, the place in Fresno is a little different. Uh, because that one actually has a uh, a trauma life coach that lives on the property with her family. And she is in the front part of the property. The apartments are in the back side mm-hmm. of the property. And so those are our more severe cases. Um, so the girls that have that need that 24 hour support are the yeah. ones that we house there. Gotcha. And so, um, so 51, yes, sometimes we refer people to other agencies, right? We have a great network of agencies that we work with up and down the valley. Breaking the Chains is a really good one. Uh, CVAT in Fresno, which is uh, Central Valley Against Human Trafficking. We work with uh, uh, Haven Crisis Women's Center in Modesto. We've worked with multiple different agencies. And so sometimes we refer the girls out, but we still help with case management. Mm-hmm. And... Um, And then there are other times when we have clients who are stepping forward kind of on their own, but still need help. And they don't, they're not necessarily housed with us, but, and they're in their own space, but they still need help. So not, the state of California is great about giving out money. So oftentimes they're on EBT cards, right? But it's not enough for the month, right? Right. And so recently we got a text message that says, hey, can you help me out with, I just need laundry soap and, you know, a couple of things from the store. Absolutely, we can take you shopping. Yeah. And so so that's where the 51 number or the number 51 comes from. And so you mentioned earlier, obviously like it's hard from where we're sitting to even consider what it would be like starting life that way, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like some of these girls have even more traumatic thoughts than we could even consider. Mm -hmm. What is that like trying to be a resource for them and like, (laughs) 
get somebody on track who's been through that kind of an experience like it sounded like you mentioned like life coaching and mm -hmm. therapy and also protecting them with housing itself yes but what does that look like to get them back onto i guess the road of a normal life so it can be difficult it can be easy it depends on the person right um it's so when we bring somebody in the first thing we look for is identification do you have id because you can't get anywhere or do anything without an ID. Most of them don't. So that's where we start. We start with, okay, where were you born? Well, we had one who was born in Minnesota. And so we contacted Minnesota County, got her birth certificate. From there, we were able to get her, um, her an, a California ID. And then we could get her social security card, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the beginning stage uh, of, of where everybody starts is with identification because you can't get anything without identification. Well, that takes time. It took, yeah. it took a month to get the birth certificate from Minnesota, right? So um, most of the girls are born here in California somewhere, which it's, it's a little faster, uh, I think, just because it's closer. Yeah. But we do have... Um, so we do have, we, what we do at Olive is we don't run a program. We, we have safe housing for victims and then we connect them to the services. There's enough services out there. We didn't need to bring in another one. It's kind of, right. we don't need to reinvent anything. Yeah. So when somebody comes in, if they want drug rehab or alcohol rehab, we connect them with that service, an mm -hmm. outpatient service. If somebody comes in, they want therapy, we connect them to therapy. I always offer life coaching. Not all the girls take us up on it, but most of them do. Yeah. For whatever reason, life coaching is a popular thing. And oftentimes they'll take the life coaching before they take the therapy. And so, um, so it's, it's uh, so it's more, it's, we're kind of more the middleman. Yeah. You're acting as the hub. Yes, basically, yes, the mothership, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, well, and again, you, I mean, you had referenced on the phone Project Safe House. Yes. You are the house that they can stay in yes. while they get all these other aspects put together. Right, and when you're dealing with victims of trauma, I'm not a victim of trauma, right? And I like to go to work and then go home, Yeah. right? So, of course. Um, so these girls, they use this house, it becomes their home. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so they can go to rehab and then come home and process what they've just learned right so there's all of these these different you know they can go to um to school and come home and do homework they can go to um to their life coach and come home and do whatever the life coach has said right and then i am always there my office sits right in the middle of this safe yeah. house this way right. i can see all hear oh and hear all and know all that goes on in that house right and we do um right re regular and random drug testing and breathalyzer testing right just to make sure everybody stays clean and sober the other part to that is when they do mess up because they will we don't kick them out we talk to them and say what more do you need to kick this habit like do you need more rehab do you and we we will even pull in a drug counselor right i've had this one young lady who has relapsed and relapsed and relapsed and relapsed well it's because she's had these traumatic experiences in her life and so when something happens it's her go-to well now we're to a point where she has in place all of these people that she can turn to instead at, before she uses, right? Yeah. So, um, and she's, she's getting to where she uses them now. Well, that took a long time to get to that point, right? Because before it was just, I don't care. I'm just going to go out because it'll make me feel better. Well, she's found out that it doesn't make her feel better. 
and and but that took time and so we give them time for those things to kind of help heal because it doesn't happen quickly it doesn't happen it doesn't happen overnight it doesn't even happen in six months it doesn't happen in a year right she's been with us two years and she is now going to school to be a drug counselor of all things right she's fantastic we'll talk about having experience Right? Yeah. And that's the thing is she went to a rehab here in Fresno where the people who ran the rehab, these were not people with degrees. These were people with life experience. And she listened to them and she learned and they gave her cell phone numbers. Call me before you use. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she has started to do that. And we're, we're super proud of her. And the thing is, is she did all the work. It's fantastic because I'm just there. I'm just there to provide the house and transportation and help them schedule because sometimes I don't know how they do it, but they double schedule themselves for things. And I'm like, how are you going to be in two places at the same time? Right? Like, how's that going to look? And so, uh, and then they sit there and they go, I don't know. I thought I could do it. I'm like, why? Why did you think you could do it? It's super funny. But uh, my brother, my brother was asked one time, uh, hey, what is it your sister does for a living? And it was funny because he says, well, he says, she's basically like a mom for prostitutes. And that's what it is, right? Wow. I mean, it's it's simple things, things I do every single day. I have I have three kids and, you know, my oldest is 28 now. And so I've been a mom for 28 years. Uh-huh. So I can do those kinds of things, right? Yeah. I can do scheduling. No, you've got to make an appointment for this, <laughs> right? No, you need to call the insurance company, right? I mean, yeah. it's, you know, just life things that they don't, they don't do when they're on the streets. Can, can I butt in here? Mm-hmm. You're joking about being their mom. You were mentioning <laughs> earlier that like 85% or something like that of these girls that you're helping that fall into this sex trafficking world mm-hmm. come from foster care? Yes. What was that stat? So that stat actually is a national stat. So 80, I think it's 86% of the foster kids end up in some form of trafficking, whether it's labor or sex, they end up uh, being exploited in some way. That's just crazy. I mean, it shows you like they really do lack parental uh, oversight. And I think that plays a big part if you're, you know, impressionable and you have somebody who coerces you into kind of a trade like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, that would all make sense. And coming out of it, if you didn't have parents growing up, you didn't have any of the coaching that you get on how to live life. So you really are playing kind of like a mom. Yes. Only I don't bake. No No baking. No baking. (laughs) Wow. How long you said that that one girl was with you for? or is with you for two years. Mm -hmm. How long are they normally with you guys? It's about two year process. Um, It can be shorter. It can be longer depending on the person. Right. And it it also depends on their, how long they were involved. Yeah. So if they, we did have one woman who was involved for over 25 years and she is, she has, how else do you say it? Except for she has very complex PTSD And she was so hard to nail down. We actually had to end up referring her out because we were not, we didn't have the capacity to help her. And so when we recognize that, that somebody is beyond our capability, that's Mm -hmm. when we refer them to more professional um, places, right? And so, you know, places with with people with degrees who know how to handle certain things like that. 24-hour support. The 24-hour support, yes. Yeah. Okay. April, can you share too what, obviously, you know, you guys working um, 
you know, all of being a charity, right? Money just doesn't grow on trees. I wish it as, did. as we all wish it did, <laughs> right? What have been some of the biggest struggles for you guys this year? And it can be just, you know, kind of daily struggles or bigger struggles or any pain points that you guys have been experiencing this year with doing all the work that you guys do. So when you pull somebody out of prostitution, you have cut off 100% of their income, right? You have, and you are responsible for that person for everything, for housing, for food, for clothing, for hair dye, because they all have to dye their hair. I don't know. It's all about how you look, right? But you also have to pay for therapy for a certain amount of time because when you get them connected to Medi-Cal, these girls will come in not having any kind of insurance. You get mm-hmm. them connected to Medi-Cal, it takes 30 days for that to kick in. You get you can get them connected to EBT cards, but that takes 30 days for it to kick in. Um, the state of California is looking to remedy that, but they have not they haven't fixed it yet. Mm, classic. <sighs> I, I have my own opinions. <laughs> I'll keep it to myself. And so, um, so when you bring somebody in, you are responsible. It costs about $3,000 per month per person to house these young ladies in every capacity in driving. So there's gas, right? Mm-hmm. There's car insurance. There's, there's liability insurance for the building. There is all of these things that we have to pay for that, you know, donors, we have a very generous community. It's very, very generous. We just had our big fundraiser. We brought in $27,000. $27,000 is fantastic, but it will only go so far. It'll go one month for 10 girls. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so what we do is we we do host several different presentations. My boss, uh, Chief Dan Foss, he will do presentations on from a law enforcement perspective mm-hmm. on tactics of the trafficker. That's the one that I attended. It's a fantastic one. And he will ask for donations for that. We do get random people that will donate on our website. Olivemadera.com is my shameless plug. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then we do have two grants that we we right one is to ccp it's community corrections partnership i don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all Uh you're in real estate so you wouldn't know so (laughs) (laughs) so basically what it is is a few years ago the voters said yes let's make a whole bunch of felonies misdemeanors and the state of california said great so they did that and it flooded the jail system is what it did and so the, the the jail system being overwhelmed they started having to let people out of jail because what else can you do? There wasn't money to build more. State doesn't really want to anyway. And so they came up with a solution called AB 109. AB 109 is basically the state of California saying, oh, sorry, here's a bunch of money to funnel into your nonprofits so that you can keep people from returning to jail. So we qualify because prostitution is a crime. And so with it, with it being a crime, we actually keep girls from going back to jail. So we qualify for this grant. And that is how I am paid. It's how my, my uh, assistant is paid. So all of, all of our paychecks come from this particular grant. There's a little bit left over for direct services for the girls. Mm-hmm. And then we have a second grant through a community development block grant through the city of Madera that is um, only for rent on the house. Mm. So... So um, we have a, uh, and then we do have some larger donors. 
Uh, and so we'll do another fundraiser at the end of this year. We'll call in all of our larger donors. They usually write big checks, that kind of thing. But so those are our three main sources. We're looking to kind of diversify in the next couple of years on bringing in some different grants and some different funding sources. Yeah. Well, and let's be honest. You mentioned that you have a very generous community around you. Yes. I, I would beg to say that the Central Valley has more money than we'd like to admit with the farming industry here and with the amount of people moving here from mm-hmm. tech. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that our community in the real estate world, we've had a great run up the last few years, that the people who are listening understand that we are extremely fortunate that we have the problems that we deal with mm-hmm. and that we can help you know raise some money for you guys. It sounds like you spend a thousand, or you said it was a, a thousand or $3,000 per girl per, per month. month. Yes. And you're constantly housing somewhere between you know five and 10 girls. Usually I try to keep it about five it, and usually in two, because I'm only one me, right? right? And I do have an assistant. She only works three days a week. And so, and when you're dealing with victims of trauma, it can be very, they can be very demanding and, and they don't mean to be, it's not their fault. And so I, my phone is on 24 uh, seven. A couple weeks ago, I didn't sleep for three days because it was constant. You know, it, I had, well, I had one girl who had some health issues and, you know, like last year we had one who came in with a stage four cirrhosis of the liver. Mm-hmm. And so it was, and she just was constantly needing medical attention mm-hmm. and it would be in the middle of the night. She would get up and she would fall or something. And the other girls would call me. I would say, call 911. I would have to go out there, which was fine. It's great. And I love what I do, but it can get, it can be, it can be a lot of hours, yeah. I guess. Well, I think the reason I bring it up is that that $27,000 number mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yes. But it sounds like you're spending $15,000 a month. <laughs> so, you know, we can, yeah. You know, that raised you two months. And yes. so we wanted to really bring you on to try to promote this. And hopefully, we're trying to raise enough money to help get you guys through to your next fundraiser event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be great. That would be really great. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, is we don't want to have to cut back anything, right? Yeah. I mean, we can, we probably can, but it would be, it would, it would, so the girls, when they come in, you know, they're, typically they have their nails done. They have their hair done because they have to be presentable to the buyer, right? And so that's what they're used to. Now we have not, we don't, we don't usually do that, but we do buy nail polish, right? Like we will, those kinds of things. Um, and then not only that, every single one of them smokes. And so, you know, when you're dealing with people who have been addicted to heroin, cocaine, or meth, nicotine is the least of our worries. And so if I have to go out and buy a pack of cigarettes, I will go out and buy a pack (laughs) of cigarettes, right? Well, cigarettes are expensive. It's actually more expensive than meth. I believe it. Yeah. And so, um, so it's, so these are the kinds of things that we do. They're small to probably most of us, but to these girls, it means a lot. Well, to these girls, if all you have control over is the color of your hair and the color of your nails and you know, if you get to smoke a cigarette or not, right. You know, that's a, that's a pretty controlled life, you know? Yes. So giving them at least a few opportunities to make decisions for themselves has to be good. Yes. And so, and we, we give them the opportunity to have that choice and that's what it's all about is giving them a choice. Totally get it. April, what about volunteers? I know you, you touched on something a little bit earlier where, you know, a a lot of guy volunteers and you guys obviously connected and partnered with that organization in Mm -hmm. Portland and kind of ran that. Um, 
do you guys take female volunteers? What other support do you guys take and do you guys need? So we do take female volunteers and we actually we actually could use some more because, you know, these these young ladies have been kind of isolated and all of their experiences are typically with men. It would be great to get some female mentors. We've had we've had them in the past and they've worked so, so well. Unfortunately, they've moved out of the state of California, mm, uh, so I can't I can't use them anymore. Right. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so um, so it's so having a, a female mentor and what I mean by mentor is something somebody to come in and say, hey, would you like to go out to, for some coffee? They've never been out to coffee with anybody before, right? Hey, would you like to watch a movie? We have done, and my my family has done Star Wars movie night, right? Because who doesn't love Star Wars? Mm-hmm. If you don't love Star Wars, <laughs> I mean, anyway, I love Star Wars. I'm probably a bigger fan than my husband. Don't say, don't, you guys can cut that part out. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> I'm teasing. But, um, but uh, you know, so we've done things like that, right? But it's, it's spending some quality time because what we try very hard to do is build a community around mm-hmm. these girls because it is the only way to empower them right olive stand is an acronym stands for overcoming limitations through intervention value and empowerment we are the intervention they learn the value through the people who empower them and so the more people we can get to help empower them the more value they have because they have been so devalued and so degraded over over so many so much time that it becomes it becomes their norm absolutely well i mean before before we do the last plug for how people can give is there anything you can leave i guess to the people listening cuz we're going to have a lot more than our normal just crew of younger people listening about investing what what can you leave them with so that they feel like they're, what they're doing is helping? Is there anything else that you want to share? I know, if you don't mind, I'm going to interject. You listed, when we met with you a couple days ago, you listed like three different websites. that uh, Can you list those for people listening? Because you were like, hey, between these three websites, that's where you can really get a good grasp of not only what's going on, but... You plug those and then anything else you were thinking. Yes. So, yes, I, <laughs> I always try to leave. Yes. I always try to leave with three different websites. So the human trafficking hotline, it's the national human trafficking hotline. The number actually is 888-3737-888. They did that on purpose to make it easy to remember. Uh, but they do have a website and that website is full of information, full of statistics. Uh, and it's it's broken down by state. Um, and then the second website is the polarisproject.org. And that one is fantastic because what it does is it breaks down the myths and misconceptions of human trafficking, right? And then the third one is called Exodus Cry. And they have excellent videos on why why, uh, vulnerability is such a key factor in human trafficking and is prostitution really a choice when it preys on the vulnerable. Um, and then uh, anything else? So I would actually like to plug right here in Fresno is a great uh, educational and prevention organization called 
the Central Valley Justice Coalition, and that website is justiceco.org. Krista Weens is a good friend of mine, and she's the director now. And she 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 reaches young people. She reaches all people. Uh, any any capacity, she goes. She speaks, and she they have a class that's actually through Fresno Pacific University called Human Trafficking. I think it's called Understanding Human Trafficking, and it's it's like a three to four hour course that you can take at the university. Um, and so there's a there's a multitude of ways to learn more, right? I mean, I could sit here and drone off a whole bunch of numbers, but yeah. uh, it you know gets dull. But when you're sitting down and you're reading it, um, it's it's pretty it, it's it can be overwhelming, and it's good to be able to set it aside for a little while. Absolutely. Well, we're super grateful you came on. We're gonna take a second for the hundredth episode. We wanted to sit down with somebody like you, April in order to help plug our community. And I'm gonna talk directly to the listeners here. Over the last three years and 100 episodes, we've never once asked you guys to give us money. We've never once asked for any kind of income from this project. We've never asked you guys to listen to sponsors or have to listen to any advertisers at all. We've always been a proponent of giving freely and giving back to the community. And so we wanted to give you guys an opportunity, Kate and I did, to have an opportunity to give back to, in this case, the Central Valley and through Olive in Madeira to help people who are much less fortunate than us. And so if you have made any money, if you have gotten any value from any of our episodes, or if you just feel inclined to give back because that's who you are, we are going to have all of the donation information in the description below. There's a GoFundMe and all of the funds go directly to Olive They do not touch our hands. They do not touch April's hands. They go straight to the girls and they are going to be used to help protect our community. So we ask sincerely, we're trying to raise $30,000 or more to help. That's 10 months for, or one month for 10 girls Mm -hmm. or almost a year for one girl. Mm -hmm. So we're just asking that you guys donate whatever you feel you can. And if you are a girl listener, maybe reach out directly to April and see if there's a place for you to be a mentor for some of these girls who may need that personal touch. Thank you. Absolutely. Kate, anything to add? Uh, Hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Hit the (laughs) nail on the head. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'll reiterate a little bit, but um, this has been for us on the podcast uh, a little over three years. And it's been really really awesome to hear the feedback from a lot of you guys have a lot of you guys reach out have a lot of you guys be doing deals and doing business and and getting value whether it's from you know our book reviews or the guests we're bringing on who share you know a nugget that you take and you've applied and you know you are improving yourself that way i think this really epitomizes what our podcast is about we are about the community. We are about building relationships. We are about giving freely. And I think this, um, you know, I couldn't have thought of a better way to really cap off this hundredth episode. And we've got an aggressive goal and uh, I know we both want to beat it. And I know for all of that money to be going to um, Olive and, you know, all of the girls and all the value it's going to provide, um, you know, I'll, I'll recap that. If you guys are, you know, having in your hearts, we ask that check out the GoFundMe uh, in the link below. All funds will go to Olive and all the girls they support. So 
thank all of you guys for listening. Um, and I think that caps off our, uh, our 100th podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, April. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was great. Awesome.